0: shotglassdigital.com
1: On this episode of Geek Out Loud, Patreon supporter Steve Schoenberg, we all know him as Steve in Michigan, stops by not only to pimp his podcast, but to talk some Lord of the Rings. It's your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud. This is your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you for what is sure to be a fantastic episode. How do I know it's going to be a fantastic episode? Because we have with us one half of one of the funniest podcasts on the internet. This man is a faithful GoLaverse supporter, he's a guardian of the GoLaverse, if you will. And uh, he's one of the lone holdouts. There's one other guy who's just holding out and holding out and holding out on on coming on uh, and fulfilling his obligation, duty. I don't even want to call it a privilege because I don't know how much of a privilege it is. But he's here to help host this thing, to produce the show. He's in charge, guys. I'm just sitting back from this point on and letting him run the show. Would ladies. put and- that on me. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Steve in Michigan.
0: Hey, everybody. How's it going tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, sir. And you?
1: I am. I am well. I tell you, I, I always realize I get real proud of myself because I get my show rundown printed up, you know, so I can kind of follow along and and make sure I'm staying on task with stuff, especially when I have like a lot of snippets to get to or or, or things like that. Um, and I always forget that, and I don't remember it until I until I hear this start up. Until I hear this noise.
0: Dude, I'm still chair dancing to that. Can I say that?
1: And well, that's, I love it, man. I'm still going to it. I've thought about doing a different intro and everything, but I just can't get away from that. I, I just can't quit you um but no away my cash if you do that but then i realize (laughs) oh wow okay then i realize there's a moment in in that music where i've got to pull it back and i've got to say on this episode of geek out loud (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh i have no idea what i'm gonna say so i take a i take those four seconds and i'm like okay here we go and just hope it all pans out okay
0: yeah it's i I can just see you panicking too you're just in there just getting your, getting ready getting ready oh crap i got to do stuff
1: yeah it's <laughs> crap. listen anytime what do I
0: say? anytime i have to do
1: stuff yeah i panic i hate doing stuff you get so nervous you fall backwards in your chair we just hear a thud one day that's right I, it just <laughs> it it finally gets the best of me the intros finally just snag me by the neck and pull me down when you edit it together
0: you just throw in a a wilhelm scream and you're good to go
1: well you know it used to be easy because you used to I didn't do the show live and when in the early days I'm talking about, and I would sit down, I would just record with no music, no, you know, no breaks or anything. And I would just plug them in. I would edit them in Mm -hmm. later. And, um, and now doing the show live, it's like, okay, I got to have, and so I could time things out. Like I would record and re-record that intro to try to get it to fit in just the right spot. And nowadays it's like, all right, I just got to do it on the, got to do it from the hip. (laughs) <laughs> got to do it from the hip and if it misses it misses um do it live but uh but Joe Trevano, um who who uh, is a follower of mine on Twitter and uh, has a podcast and a blog his, on his own he's the guy who really brought the whole did uh did Palpatine kill Padme controversy to this incredibly boiling head that we didn't bring it to the prominence that, <laughs> that he did on Rebel Force Radio and, uh, but he will, he'll every now and again, he'll be like, great intro, sir. You hit it just right. I love it when that happens. <laughs> and so Joey, I'm always doing it for you, sir. I'm always, uh, you're always in my head when I do these things. Cause I'm like, I got
0: to make it right for Joe. That's awesome. No, I know the, uh, the trials are trying to get it just sounding just right. Cause the, the way that Mitch and I do it lost hours, it's the, we record, we just go. And if we flub, pause go. And then I have to go through and take like an hour's worth of audio and condense it down to like a half.
1: The rest of it is just us
0: making fun of each other and getting our tongues, you know, tied in a knot while trying to say a word.
1: Well, I'll tell you the other thing I decided, because early on, and I mean like in the first four episodes, I was editing out all the ums and ahs and everything, just trying to make it sound so smooth and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I want to do this with my life. This is what my dream would be to be in a, in a, in a radio studio day after day, you know, doing some type of talk show, hopefully humorous. I, you know, I don't want to be like Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity (laughs) or anything, but you know, just with the, just kind of what the big honking show was. And I said, if I'm going to, if I want that to be, I want this to have that same feel. I want, you know, all of my shows to have that same feel. And so I stopped worrying about it. I stopped editing and, and there was a time where I would call myself on stuff. If I if I said something wrong or whatever, I would just say it right there on the show and I would keep a tally and be like, that's number seven. That's number eight. And as I did that, you know it, it turned
0: into a drinking game.
1: It did. And it kind of became a bit on the show. And it was just like, <laughs> all right, well, um, here we go. I, you know, and it just caused me to get a little bit better and better. And I'm not look. We're still at the brim of mediocrity. We're about to spill over into good. Steve, <laughs> you could do this for us tonight, Shoney. You could bring oh. us into the realm of good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't put that you should listen to the raw audio of Lost Hours. You'll be like, why did they let this clown on? Well, you know what? It's My lanta, what have I
1: done? My lanta, what have I done? <laughs> I, listen, I think that you guys are better than you think you are. And I and I think that with the with the naturalness of not it and look this is all sorry guys we're doing some shop talk here early on <laughs> you know what I should shut up and what I should do is say tell us about lost hours what is lost hours
0: lost hours is it's it's a derivative of Big Honkin Show it was when when Big Honkin Show was At you taken off the air you know yeah taken off the airwaves um and and pulled from our hearts <laughs> you know I'm, I'm throwing that out there um. You know, my my best friend, Mitch, who said, hey, you got to listen to this this guy, Steve. So I listened to this guy, Steve, and I went, oh, this is fantastic. And listening to that, it's like Mitch and I, you know, the the interaction between you and Buck. It's just that, you know, Mm -hmm. two guys that are best friends and they know how to play off each other. Oh, you think we're best friends. Well, You think Buck and I are best friends. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are Um, (laughs) friends-ish. Putting that ISH Mm -hmm. makes everything better, right? That's right. That's right. And... He just said, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. And finally, like five years later after that idea, uh, we're finally doing it. But it's, it's just a weird news story. We, we talk about how boring our lives are and not friends, so partners. Well done, Doc. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we just talk about weird news and we run, off, you know, we run with it down a tangent or down a rabbit hole just like you and Buck used to do. Right. And it's a lot of fun. It really is. You know, we, we hit up the, the Not the Onion. That's where the majority of our news stories come sure, from. Sure, sure. You know, or uh, at listeners will shoot them to us uh, via Facebook. hmm And then we just go from there. But it's a lot of fun. It could be maddening while I'm sitting here trying to edit a show just before the the release. But uh, it's fun. But that's pretty much it. If listeners enjoyed the, uh, the Big Honkin' show or if they want something, you know, fun and clean to listen with the uh, – you know, with the kids in tow lost hours is it.
1: You well, know, at least me, it's what we shoot for. I think it's a great show. I had fun when I was on and, um, and you know, I'm always willing to come on because I enjoy it. So, Hey, awesome. uh, one thing, I, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot here cause this is not in the show notes and I got to call an audible, uh, because I completely forgot to put this in, in the show notes proper. Um, and, and I'm trying to stall because I've got to find <laughs> the music cue. <laughs> do we need the vamp? Uh, no, I, I got this now. Uh, okay, go I forgot that we have the whole This is Madness tournament going on, and we got to do a quick catch-up. Are you willing to talk some Star Wars?
0: I build lightsabers, Steve. Of course I'm ready to go talk Star Wars. All right.
1: Do what right. is thy bidding, my
2: master? There is a great disturbance in the forest.
0: Presence I've not held since. That's a very bad feeling
2: about this. I find your lack of faith disturbing.
1: All right, This Is Madness, the tournament happening at StarWars.com. You can get there by going to thisismadness.starwars.com. There's a new round of voting going on right now. Since last time we talked about it, uh, there's been several votes taking place. And uh, right now the voting is Captain Rex versus Gregor. And um it's pre versus Hondo Anaka. Now uh Steve, I don't know what was your take on some of these opening round matchups. We'll, we we need to get there. Um some of the play-ins that, that made their way in were kind of were a little bit shocking to me on on one hand, particularly one particular really shocked me because there was a come from behind victory um that really blew my mind. So so we'll run through what we've gotten so far. Uh, I forget exactly who the play-ins were, um, here and there, so I'm just gonna go, I believe Sabine was a play-in, and she's gonna be in round one, the rule of 32, against R2-D2, Sabine Wren from Rebels.
0: Sorry, I'm bringing up the, uh, this is madness, because I haven't been following it, and I'm sorry about that. That's fine, that's fine. But, uh. Man, you got to go R two against Sabine. I'm sorry, nothing against Sabine, but I'm an R two guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like R two went out uh, in a in another matchup that's already taken place in the first round. It was Princess Leia against and Dula, and Princess Leia won by a landslide, seventy two percent to twenty eight percent. Wow. Do you and now have you been watching Rebels?
0: I have been. Okay. It's a fantastic, fantastic show. How about that season finale, sir? Oh goodness. That that was just fantastic. I keep saying that word because yeah. it's all I can describe it as. It's the best way to, to to describe it. But no, it was. Unfortunately, I saw the spoiler. I was oh. a day or so behind. So when yeah. I followed Felody on the on the Facebook and I saw it, and I went, mm. oh, "Are you kidding me?" Well, still, but even even watching it, yes, after, and knowing that it was just, I would just wanted to stand up and clap.
1: It was still a great moment, and and then with the reveal of the Dark Lord himself. Yes, You know, Darth Vader showing up on Lothal. Everyone keeps saying Mustafar, but he showed up on Lothal, everybody.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was uh, Lothal. it
1: was, but I've heard a lot of podcasts where they're saying, yeah, and then here he is at
0: Mustafar. Does does he live there or something? I'm like, he wasn't at Mustafar!
1: (laughs) He showed up on
0: Lothal! I loved the, I want to go down a tangent, but I loved the fight between Kanan and uh, and the Inquisitor. Oh my gosh, yes. And And just with the, you know, he you know, he finally tapped into the force the way he should and just that spinning double ended lightsaber to slow down. Yes. And it was it was watching that I had the same reaction that with the premiere where it's like, Oh God, it's on. It's on. <laughs> oh, you're
1: talking about in the premiere when he put his lightsaber together and walked out there like a BA and just kind of you know, But more
0: than that though to they, the
1: right and dodged the blaster bolt.
0: Yeah, they they just went he just you know, his head just like a little bit here yes, and there. Yeah. And at that moment, that was just—I geeked out hard. Then I'm me going, too. "Oh my God! I can't believe they're doing this." Yeah, me too, me too. And then just when they slowed it down, and you just saw it through Kanan's perspective, and it was just—you know—I fanboyed out hard when I saw that. Agreed. I
1: mean, me too. And and then, uh, like I say, I was surprised at the at the death of the Inquisitor in a big bad way. Me too.
0: Mm-hmm. That was very surprising.
1: I was I was shocked. Uh, that the Inquisitor went out like he did, um, just because I guess but, we all expect him to be a multi-season villain. Yeah, and and it's like I said on Rebel Yell, if they're bringing Vader into the mix, season two is going to be sad because well, he's just
0: going to take them all out. I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty doggone good because now they have to up their game. Well, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, the whole this is Big Boss showing up. I mean, I think what we saw in the in the end.
1: In the last few moments of of the season finale of Rebels, was the actual formation of the Rebel Alliance that you saw them officially coming together as an alliance, and it's just those few ships at first. Gotcha, but it'll grow. You know, all these little yep. cells are finally going to start to come together and be the Rebel Alliance. So, but yep. uh, but Hera lost in a big bad way to Princess Leia. Do you think that's just because of name recognition at this point? I think so. Because when you get here into the Jedi matchups, um, number one, Yoda beat Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, okay, makes sense. Yeah. It's Everybody loves Yoda. 69% to 31%. I think, you know, Teresa and I were talking, Teresa from uh, Disney Vault Talk and Rebel Yell were talking, and, and she's like, I just, I'm just i tired of seeing Yoda and Darth Vader go all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see something get, get a little shaken up there, and I think they put Qui-Gon against Yoda to try to make that happen. Um but,
0: uh, but I think... So they should have pegged Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Yes. That would have been interesting. I think so. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan would have won out, I think, but yeah, it still would have been interesting. Um,
1: but in a really interesting twist of fate, um, and I don't know if there were Twitter campaigns and, and that sort of thing for this, but the play-in spot for Obi-Wan Kenobi, the number four seed there in the Jedi ranks, was Ahsoka versus Luke. And Ahsoka Tano won that spot. That that's impressive. It was back and forth. Like she started out, she she jumped out in the lead early, and then in the middle of the voting, he kind of took over, and he took over by a substantial margin. And I must have missed the last hour. I know I did. Not must have. I'm not. I'm saying this like, oh, I didn't realize this happened. No, I missed the last couple hours of voting. I guess because in the in the in the eleventh hour, it had to be in the eleventh hour. Ahsoka comes back and, and claims that spot.
0: Yeah. How many times could you vote in this? Was it one of these things you had to log in and that I don't was know, it?
1: you don't have to log in at all. I don't know if they actually count your vote, you know, and if you go vote again, it's just the same thing, or if you can vote multiple times. But if you vote multiple times, I mean people had their fingers a clicking. This is the first big upset of the This Is
0: Madness tournament. Ahsoka yeah. over Luke, if you ask me. Um it is, but it's cool that. You know i think it's kind of cool that ahsoka won out
1: i think it's very cool you know you know it's yes. something completely
0: different because it it's nothing against the you know original trilogy characters but it's cool that now you know this newer generation of star wars is getting acknowledgement Yeah. you know and, and especially considering just how you know i i don't know if controversy is the right word i want to you know i want to use here with ahsoka being anakin's padawan and just how a lot of people didn't like her to now, we're flipping that around and she's beating out Luke Skywalker in the March Madness bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, huge. Yeah. Back, what was it, 2008 when it came out? Would you have envisioned that? No, never, never
1: in a million years. Yeah. Never in a million years. And, and, and so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's interesting it's gotten shaken up. I did not see the Twitter or, or any social media, though, uh, really promoting her to go forward. And I have to imagine there was some kind of push to get people over there to vote for. Her. I have to imagine there was.
0: Search hard enough to find it. So, yeah, I'm sure. Twitter's going to shape this world eventually. Uh, It's Skynet.
1: In the first round uh, between Han Solo and Lando Calrissian, no surprise, Han Solo, 86% of the vote, uh, Lando with 14% of the vote. Um, And uh, down in the other other first round winners, General Grievous over the Inquisitor, uh sixty six percent to thirty-four percent. So that's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting situation to me. I really when that when that hit, I really expected the Inquisitor to take it. Um because I feel like there's a lot of ill will toward General Grievous from fans. There is.
0: I and I and I have some of that. It's I, I think the way he was portrayed in the Gendi series was way better than in the movies and in the uh in the actual Felony Clone Wars. He was just much more menacing. For those few minutes that we had him in the Gendy series, then, right. you know, we see him basically, oh, you mean to tell me he's been smoking for 50 years or whatever it what? is? And he's got an <laughs> iron lung. Literally, he comes out of the bridge. and, All right, guys, what's the situation? What's
2: the situation? <laughs> what we got here? Hey, Captain, what's the situation over there?
0: Hey, Captain, got my car, my, my camels. Yeah. Lost my Zippo.
1: I'm a Marlboro man myself. <laughs> uh, no surprise with Django Fett over Greedo. Um, oh, geez. With uh, no contest. 83 to 17%. I think that's, I don't know if they expected that to be a a statement on the prequel trilogy versus the original trilogy, but I just, Greedo was the wrong person to put there.
0: No, I think that was just a way for him to get a Fett. You know, moving It'll, through the ranks.
1: Well, yeah, because, well, I think their idea is that, you know, the next uh, Bounty Hunter round vote will be Boba Fett versus Asajj Ventress. Yep. And I have to believe Boba Fett will just take that with no problem. Yep. And so you got Fett versus Fett. But I also think that if you'd have plugged in that's a Bosk, I think if you'd have plugged in a Bosk or an IG-88 uh, against Django, that voting might have been a little bit closer and maybe even gone the other way. Yep. Uh, Palpatine, it, yeah. Palpatine and Maul in a tight, tight, tight race, 49% to 51% of the vote with Darth wow. Maul coming out on top. Woo. Now the next- the dual-edged lightsaber, man, they'll do it every yeah, time. Yeah, well, I don't know. If you want, do you remember that episode of the Clone Wars where, where Palpatine showed up and, or I guess I should say Sidious showed up with Maul and Savage?
0: Yeah, and he just- he Pwned just owned the living heck out of him. Yeah,
1: he's like, I I got this, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think watch you're bad, this. watch this. Uh, in the other Sith, uh, bracket's going to be Darth Vader versus Count Dooku, and I have to believe Vader's just going to cream him. Yeah, and so we'll get Vader versus Maul, and uh, that's going to be an interesting what thing. fans
0: have always wanted to see.
1: That's right, that's right. And of course, uh Job of the Hutt versus Big Fortuna coming down the road in the underworld right now. The underworld vote is pre Vizla and Hondo Inaka, with pre up 59% to Hondo's forty one percent. And I find that pretty sad. I would like to go ahead and sway the votes and say everyone go out and vote for Hondo Inaka. Yeah. Uh and I like Hondo. And of course, uh up on the Republic side of things, it's um Gregor and Captain Rex. And right now, being voted for, and Captain Rex running away with it 76% of the vote to 24%. I was going to say, who's Gregor? Gregor was the clone trooper on the, uh, the empty planet in that droid arc with Meeber Gascon. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the arc trooper.
1: Yeah, he's an arc trooper. Okay. Yeah. Or a Republic Commando.
0: Yep, that's it. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, arc troopers are more like what Captain Rex wears with the skirt yep. and such as. Uh, Gregor is, is, looks like those Republic commander guys. So, um, this is madness shaping up with a surprise here and, uh, and, and, and kind of a, what you expect there. I, in a close man, a close, close battle with Palpatine and Maul. And, um, and, and so it's going to be interesting to see how Vader and Maul shake out. Cause I'm just going ahead and assuming mm-hmm. that Vader's going to take Dooku and it's going to be really, really interesting because I remember Back in 99, 2000, do you remember all the who would win in a fight, Darth Maul or Darth Vader conversations? Yep. Who yep. did you
0: always fall on the side of? I always went with Vader. Me too. Because, you know, Maul had the whole acrobat thing, but Vader could be just like, ah, you know what, Force Choke, done. Did you ever Drop see- the saber, walk away. Did you, <laughs> did you oh, ever purr. see the, uh, the Star Wars Tales comic book? that No, but I've I've always wanted to read it. That's where uh, Maul has the legs, and he tries to go. No, after no, DeMar's that's homestead. that's
1: called visionaries. That's that's a different Ooh. one. There was a there was a comic they did for a while called Star Wars Tales, where, where it's really kind of a bunch of what if stories. Mm-hmm. Start more than anything, they were not meant to be canon at all. And so it was usually like a like an anthology book. It'd come out like every couple of months, and it would have like three or four short stories in it. And this particular one was. I think, I want to say it was a 68-page book, you know, comic Holy book. You know? Well, yeah, you know, like an annual size book, you know. And, um, and it was Vader versus Maul was the whole thing. <laughs> and what it is is there's some type of, like, Sith acolytes or something that bring Darth Maul back to life. Uh, because they tell Sidious, you know, your apprentice is weak and he's never been really tested, and so they bring Darth Maul back to life and Vader and Maul have it out on a planet that could have very well, this all came out before Revenge of the Sith and everything, but basically on a lava-type planet. You know, you could make the argument okay. that they were, you know, retconned it, make the argument they were on Mustafar. And spoiler alert, Vader wins. <laughs> but just barely. Uh, because and, 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 and it's definitely an Elseworlds oh. kind of thing, because Maul is talking yes. through the whole battle. And like he's taunting Vader, and he's taunting Vader about you know saying I've got more, you know I've got more anger, I've got more hate, and 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 this is this is where Vader Harry carries, isn't it? No, no, it's 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 this interesting thing where it looks like he Harry carries, but he just kind of goes up on his side with a lightsaber because Maul's standing over and Vader's down on one knee and with his back to Maul, and Maul says, "What could you ever hate enough to you know to defeat me?" and Vader just lights his saber up and runs Maul through the gut and says, myself.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because I swear that the, that's the, um, I never read it, but I, I've seen the, the, the screen grabs or the you know mm-hmm. the, the scans of the comic where it is when he says that he actually puts the saber to his own chest, presses the button, and it goes through him and into Maul. And he delivers um, the myself line.
1: I, see, I never read it that way. As okay. i doing that. Uh let me see if I can if I can grab a um grab a screen grab here and see exactly what he does. Um maybe he does. Let me see here. Wow, I mean wow. I
0: could be completely mistaken, but I always remember Vader going Harry Carey on him and it's just it's just that image has burnt itself into my brain and it was, you know, fantastic.
1: I'm looking here. Let me see what what we got here.
0: I mean, concept of Vader just stabbing himself to take out Maul. It's like, all right, this is a man who's sufficiently ticked.
1: I know. See, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the image right now and I guess you could read it that way, but I never read it that way. I just read it as he was kind of going around the, going around his side to hit Maul. Okay. Uh, because you know, his, his breathing and stuff doesn't, nothing really changes about him after that. Okay. Um, You know, he just kind of gets up and brushes himself off. I remember I need to. I mean, I've got the book. I could go pull it out. Nah, Uh, I don't need to do that. But uh, no, I can't. I'd have to figure out where it's at and find it. But um, (laughs) I can't vamp for that long, Steve. That's can't. Yeah, don't vamp. Can't do it. Don't Don't worry. Don't vamp for me. Don't vamp for me. Uh, So, man, we've gotten in and right there's your "This Is Madness" stuff, and I haven't even given all the plugs I need to give yet. Of course, the Lost Hours. Check out the Lost Hours. You guys are on iTunes. Okay. Right. iTunes, the uh, you know any podcatcher you want, look for us. We say all that to say welcome Steve in Michigan to Geek Out Loud, and thank you for your support through Patreon, sir.
0: Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's
1: great to have you on. Uh, and if you want to support us directly at Patreon, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash Geek If you want to just, if you, you say Steve, I can't do Patreon. What do you think I am, Mister Moneybags? Well, if you do any shopping on Amazon, do me a favor and head over to GeekOutPodcast.com or geekoutonline.com and use the links there to take you to Amazon to then do your shopping because all of that helps out the show in a big, bad way and, uh, and helps us stay on the air and helps us keep going. Speaking of Patreon, our featured supporter for this week is Steve. Hey, that's Known, me. That's right. Known simply as Steve, this mysterious masked stranger speaks softly but carries great power. He's been seen in flight, lifting literally tons over his head while saving patrons from collapsing restaurants, and it's even rumored he can teleport, but it's unsure if that's just super speed.
0: No, it's teleportation. Okay. I was going to say, we're going to clear it up right now. It's... I leave a phantom image. <laughs> oh, okay. And then, nice. so it, it looks like I'm flying. Okay. Or just running really fast. No, it's- Right. You can pass, my, pass your hand through that. I just teleported. There you go. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs>
1: Do you have any of that... Uh, what, what does Nightcrawler have? He's got the the brimstone after effect?
0: No, I'm a warlock. Oh, okay. Which is funny because uh, when, I, when I read this and, I, and he threw in the teleport, I went, are you talking to Mitch? Because I, I play Dungeons and Dragons you know, pretty oh. much every week. <laughs> and one of the characters that I, I played for a long time one was a warlock us. that one teleported. <laughs> and I'm reading this and it's even Rupert, you can teleport. And it's like, who's he been talking to
1: nobody <laughs> just made it up off the top of my head
0: oh just man doing stuff, so. that's too much
1: that's right so well man seriously though, thank you for your support and and i really really appreciate it and um and i'm, and glad, I'm glad i can to, help i'm glad to have you on man i'm i'm excited to be getting into the meat of the show and so uh before we before we jump in emails i do have one other thing i gotta call an audible on y'all and mention uh disney vault talk has officially entered spring break uh disney vault talk will be taking about a month or so off uh with con season hitting Teresa's working south by southwest uh, going to star wars celebration and just a lot of different things on on the horizon so disney vault talk will be taking spring break at this point, none of our other shows will be because Lord knows I can't go on spring break. So you'll still be getting Geek Out Loud. Uh there'll probably be an extra rock out loud or two thrown in there. And next week is WrestleMania week. So yeah, Bark Out Loud is gonna be happening as well. And uh I don't know where the long lost Carl LeClaire is, but uh Yeah, where is he? It's I been a while know, since we've had a no one I'm uh, saying. I don't know, don't have a problem doing the Wampas Lair, but I'm just saying, <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> So and the guttlet has been thrown. Uh, that's right. So so we'll still have some stuff going on. So don't give up on us. Just just know that Disney Vault talk if you don't see it in your feeds for a while it's because uh, I'm calling it we're on spring break. So now let's jump Woo, into
0: spring break.
1: That's right. Let's jump into some emails. Wait a second. I didn't turn the I didn't turn the volume back do, up on that. Do I need to sing it? No, no, I got it. Here. Let's jump oh, into okay. some emails. First one comes from uh, the international man of mystery himself, Dominique Garant. He says, I'm writing today to talk about podcasting, if it's okay with you, since I figure podcasts are a part of geekdom. I have two things on my mind, positivity and duration. He says, I don't think I've told you yet, but I've got my own podcast. Now we're 50 episodes. The show is called Lobe Frontal, meaning frontal lobe, at lobefrontal.com, and it's on iTunes. See what he did there. Yeah. But I never bothered to mention, since it's uh, French-Canadian, and I don't think any listeners of Goal would understand a thing. So if any of you French-Canadian-speaking Goliverse listeners are out there, give old Dominique a try at lobefrontal.com. As to what it's about, well, you might recall that I'm a doctor, and also a geek, so it's basically that, the geek talk of a doctor. For example, last show a listener asked me what I thought was the worst fictional doctor. My answer was from G.I. Joe, Dr. Mindbender. I mean, come on. Bare-chested with a purple cape, a monocle, and a mustache? Terrible. (laughs) Do do you remember the Dr. Mindbender figure back in the day? I want to say I do. He looked like the Monopoly guy on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. He did have the monocle thing going and the mustache. He was bald. I'd just like for that guy to tell you he did not pass go and collect Mm $200. No, do not pass go. And, I mean, he was on... shank you.
0: Yeah, he... He would well, give you two hundred bucks he'd give you a shift. I think
1: his deal was like literally like super hypnotism or some such. Was Doctor oh, Mindbender. No, no, I mean he, he was he was working with Cobra. He was a bad guy, you know. <laughs> and any listen, anyone who dresses the way he dressed definitely is is that. And he made it onto the you know the the cartoon a time or two. Um, I, here I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia here. Um, <laughs> Doctor Bender was at one time a peace-loving orthodontist. He built a machine to relieve dental pain using electric brainwave stimulation. Unfortunately, he tested it on himself, and when it went haywire, he became hateful, deceitful, and vain. Dr. Mindbender abandoned his practice and joined forces with Cobra, devoting all of his time to perfecting his digital brain scrambling. He's a master of mind control and interrogation, but his expertise also includes genetic cloning dentistry, And some cybernetics. (laughs) Viva, clone your teeth. Dr. Mindbender was first released as an action figure in 1986. I had that action figure. Uh, He was uh, bare chested with purple pants and leather metal studded suspenders. So there you go, Dr. Mindbender. I don't. I don't remember what he sounded like on the old cartoon, but um. But yeah, so I agree with you, Dominique Garant. I feel like I've lost you, Steve. I have lost Steve. I don't
0: know what's going on, Steve. Are you with me? I'm back. What happened? I don't know. You were talking, and ha- we were having lots of laughs, and all and that. And then all Next this thing I know calm silence, and I just went, "Oh my God, I've lost him." I... <laughs> Money
2: Penny. I didn't tell him anything. Money Penny.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like Dr. Mindbender was all over me for making fun of him because I was reading your Wikipedia and everything and you didn't respond <laughs> about the metal studded suspenders. I'm like purple pants and metal studded suspenders and silence. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. What is going on here? We got him back, though, everybody. And then it was telling me, check your internet connection. Make sure you're on the internet. And I'm like, I know I'm on the internet. Because <laughs> you people can hear me. I want to be like, Skype,
0: you make sure you're on. No, it was Skype telling me this. I'm like, Skype, you make sure you're on the internet. I got the same thing, too. So I, I instantly scampered off and checked the Wi-Fi. Right. That was good. Yeah, I was good, I too. It's Skype's crap. I'm, I, I wish they would have popped up a during uh,
1: one of those polls they post sometimes after a call. Then I would have been like, terrible. You cut me off.
0: <laughs> Back on track. So just try go. to record a rating to the Skype test lady. Uh, hello, hello. Yeah. Welcome to Skype. Uh, you
1: suck. You, you. Sh- and she just keeps talking. You're like,
0: no, you're listening to me.
2: <laughs> listen to me when I'm talking to you. You listen. No, you listen to me.
1: Um, Dominique says, "Back on track." Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about tone, and mostly thank you for your positive attitude. Mostly thank you for your positive attitude, because sometimes it's not that positive. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, he said, "I I had a rather small you get audience." Snarky, yeah, I do. Well, I mean, snark can be fun. Yeah. He, he said, "I had a rather small audience, and I always has uh, have a very positive show. I love my job. I love the healthcare. I love geek stuff. Then one day I was rather peeved about a political thing, and I podcasted a bit angrier than usual." Well, what happened is that suddenly the show was retweeted, reposted, and shared, and my listeners tripled. I then quickly went back to my humorous, fun self until recently I did another kind of controversial show, and again, boom, my audience grew a lot. And I think to myself, how easy it would be to just act like a jerk and get popular fast. I mean, we all know that intelligent posts get ignored, but light your your fart on fire on YouTube and you'll get thousands of views. (laughs) That's true, Dominique.
0: This is true. But then we're I waiting think, for that backdraft for him to explode. That's, that's what we're right. waiting oh for.
1: Oh my gosh. But then I think of you and the guys at Rebel Force Radio and you guys keep me on track because acting in a positive way is better in the long term and we're meant to get better guests on the show and better feedback. So thank you for showing me the way and keeping me away from the dark side. It's quicker, faster, more easy, but stronger it is not. I got to tell you something, Dominique, if all it takes is for me to be a jerk a little bit to get more listeners, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> at this point in my life, shoot. Uh, he says now for a second point duration. I was wondering when you, uh, Steve, or the listener, what would be your ideal length for a podcast, Sean, Shoney, What is your ideal
0: podcast length? Uh, you got to do the pop uh, the pop quiz on me for somewhere around an hour, I think. Yeah. Oh, you know, hour hour and a half. Hmm. Go ahead. Go on. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I love the five-hour mega hours. You know the mega shows, Steve. Okay, all right. More of those. All right, faster thank and more intense. Come you. on.
1: Uh, he says there's a lot of great podcasts out there. When you think about it, just with the goal and RFR feeds, there's enough shows to fill hours each week. It's a huge gamble to put something out and say, "Hey, man, this is worth your listen." Oh my gosh, number Dominic, you are ma- he's making me feel very insecure right now. Yep, he's like, I got negative and got all kinds of listeners. Also. You got a ballsy when you say, <laughs> "Hey, man, this is worth your listen." I don't know that, th- that takes brass. That does, and I don't know that I'm worth it. Um, he says, "I must admit, Goal and RFR are the only two podcasts that last over an hour that I will listen to." I mean, there are a lot of great shows out there, but I had to pick a cut off, and I think anything over an hour drags a bit.
0: Hmm. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I She's think it- not getting on the show.
1: No, yo, sure he is. Anytime he wants to. I think that. It's a matter of personality. I think that yeah. I think that quality over quantity is always the way to go. But if you've got a quality personality, and I'm not saying me right now, I'm not patting myself on the back. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying there's a lot of shows I listen to that I wish they would go two and a half hours. You know, because the thing about podcasting is it's on-demand listening. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there are a lot of people I know who like to try to listen in one sitting. But I'll listen to shows in chunks. I have a 30-minute drive to work, you know, and so I'll listen to 30 minutes on the way to work, 30 minutes on the way back, you know, working, doing stuff around the house, that sort of thing. And and I blow through shows pretty quickly, you know, at a pretty good chunk during the week. And there are a lot that
0: I'm like, man, I wish
1: they would go about another hour or two.
0: Um, just yeah, but I'm- if you listen to a lot of shows, like I used to, you know, whenever it was something that was an hour and a half, two hours, you'd be like, uh-huh. ah, you guys are killing me, and I'm falling behind. Yeah, but again,
1: not not I, sir, not I. I, I it really is because it's I It's w- the
0: situation.
1: Yeah, because I will actually end up taking the time then to do something where I can just plug my iPhone in and just listen to the rest of the show if I need to, you know. Whether it's just watching some dishes, or I'll be like, you know what, I'll mm-hmm. use this chance to go. straighten up or do some laundry, fold some clothes, and not even worry about having something on the TV. Just having a mayor's going because I, again, if I if I like the hosts. And and they're putting out good content, then that's my big concern. And so I think that you know and, and two, I'm also able to leave one and go to something else, you know, and then come back to it later. Gotcha. So yeah. That's
0: just I mean, and that's just me. Um See, you know, Mitch and I I Mitch wants to go for a full hour and I'm like, God no, because I have I'm the one that has to cut that together. There's no way in heck I'm doing well, that. Well
1: again, quick cut
0: <laughs> oh, no you don't want to hear that but two it's I look at it from the perspective it's alright What what's a good length for an average commute and what's enough to keep people wanting to come back you know right. what I mean sure I, I I think you have to throw that in um, well and also you know, it's, into the mix yeah. is secretly from Vulcan
1: what I don't know that's don't don't pay you know better than to pay attention to him you know better but, you well, know no, better th- th- this
0: was Alyssa Alyssa Leah said that like, what what yeah i gotta now, stop looking at the chat she says so you're now talking dec- about fern golly and i was all confused now decide which steve i
1: was talking about <laughs> oh my. roll initiative oh my let anyhow um so i yeah i i don't know i think I, I think it depends on your listeners and yep you know and and just have a good good you know just have fun yeah just have fun that's the key right
0: and bring on cooter jones we all have fun we have some laughs we're good
1: that's right and then he says don't worry when you go too long i'll listen to you at one and a half times speed that i gotta try this (laughs) well when you're a slow talking southerner you know you speed it up and it sounds like you need you know like
0: you guys you sound like you're from the midwest
1: i I sound like i'm from michigan (laughs) sound like i'm from up there on
0: the peninsula there you go you gotta you gotta throw in a few things here and there to sound like us but there you go that's right brian chimes in steve he says hey steve Hey,
1: Thank you. Like many others, I really liked the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. Loved the second one, but then was underwhelmed by the third one. I hadn't seen them in a long time, uh, but I recently watched the first two with my 11-year-old son as part of his nerdification process. Anyway, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed them, and the elevated train scene in Spider-Man 2 is still incredible. But I have to say, these haven't aged nearly as well as I imagined. I know you said that you couldn't really apologize for Spider-Man 3 anymore, but what are your thoughts on the first two, especially with the Marvel Cinematic Universe to compare them with? Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Shoney.
0: Oh my God, it's been a while since I've seen Spider-Man yeah, Man 2. Yeah,
1: me too. It's been a while since I've seen Spider-Man 1. Yeah. With, with Tobey Maguire. Shoot, I haven't even seen the new Spider-Man 2. Ugh.
0: I know, I'm a horrible human being.
1: I, know, I, don't know, I don't know to recommend it to you or not. Ooh. Mm. Um, it's, it's this amazing, it's this, it's this fascinating thing where it's like, you're just watching it and it's like, this is not right. This is not good. This is not anything that needs, this is wrong. But then there are these moments where you're like, this is so
0: right point on the doll where the movie touched you
1: no it's it's just like you easy now come on i'm sorry it's like you look at you look at this thing and there's and like especially like the end of it is just like it's this moment that almost brought tears to my eyes because it was so just spot on spider-man um but overall it was a bit of a mess uh with spider-man and spider-man 2 that's an interesting era of superhero movies that I feel like deserves further discussion on a future episode.
0: Yeah, that
1: that era from from X-Men until Iron Man, from about 99 2000 to around 2007 8. I think that was just they're,
0: they're still trying to figure out how they want to do it.
1: Yeah, well I there think. was there was still a lot of holdover mentality from 90s superherodom and and what, you know, had been done leading up to where we were Mm -hmm. you know there was still very much well we can't make it look on screen like it looks in the comic books because no one will believe that yeah you know we can't do this because it won't show up right and and with that spider-man costume and i mean with the green goblin situation in spider-man one you see that with dr i like the green goblin see i i would have rather not had the power rangers outfit I I would have rather don't, him don't going. Don't you be
0: knocking Power Rangers?
1: I'm not knocking Power Rangers. <laughs> I don't want Power Rangers. I I don't want you to get Power Rangers into my Spider Man. Okay. And and I would have rather them, especially with Willem Dafoe's like incredibly rubbery, expressive face. Just kind of yeah. done a little bit of prosthetic makeup on him. Yeah. You know, and done a mask. You know, like he did in the comics, like the Green Goblin did in the comics, and then. You know, do a little, you know, you can arm him up if you feel like you need to, but it just...
0: Tone it back a bit. Yeah, yeah. That's what you want, tone it back. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and then, you know, but that was, like I say, that was a product of the time. With Doc Ock's arms and everything, it's like, oh, they, they did what they had to do, and it wasn't to make it look real, it was to make it look functional.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: because in the comics, Doc Ock's arms were these weird, just round cylinders with, like, four pinchers on the end of each one of them.
0: Yeah, and, I remember seeing that. And here and here, it's like each one was like a little creature almost. Yes, yeah.
1: And, you know, so that was interesting. Um, but the movie itself was really cool. And that fight scene on that train, I, I agree. The, the elevated train fight scene is amazing. From the time that they start at the bank, you know, and go up the wall and then down across the, pl- the train and everything, it's just, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Doc Ock's doing things like just grabbing people and throwing them out of the train and Spider-Man's having to save them you know, as they're flying through the city and everything. And it's just, it was just a cool, cool moment. Um, He says, I don't want, Brian goes on to say, I don't want to discount the role in ushering in a new era of comic films, but I think the quality of the newer Marvel studio films may have raised the bar retroactively uh, when watching the ones that came before. Also, for what it's worth, I had to agree with my son's sentiment when he exclaimed, Ew, Dad, I can see Doc Ock's moves."
0: (laughs) No, that ruins a good movie faster Indeed.
1: than Indeed. Uh,
0: Indeed. Faster than lightning.
1: Um, Let's see here. We'll, we'll jump into one more that, I, that I've got to jump into. Uh, listeners of the show have been following Doc the, o- the
0: ongoing <laughs> <laughs> episode, be on for the next episode five titled
1: Doc Ock's Moobs. <laughs> Thank you, Alfred Molina. Well, I mean, in the comics, Doc Ock was always kind of rotund fatty. He used to wear that orange and yellow like spandex suit, you know. Oh. And then later on in the comics, he went to like a suit and tie to be kind of a more classy villain, and it was pretty cool. Like they even had Around him like a
0: monocle, and he's got like three, you know. Four no, he had he
1: had those sun, he had the sunglasses thing going, you know, and the bowl haircut. But he'd he'd wear these he'd wear these suits, and uh, there's even a there, there's a shot where he's like lighting a cigar with his arms and everything, like he does in I think he might do it in. He um, I mean, does that in the movie. In Spider-Man 2, but there's like a comic panel. I mean, that was right off the comic panel. And
0: so How how great would it have been that they made Doc up into like the southern genteel man with the white suit? <laughs> I say, Spider-Man. <laughs> there it is.
1: I'm going to get say, you, boy. Sir. sir, listen, sir. You have offended me to no end. And now I will have my retribution. Covering those seven herbs and spices. I'm gonna flay Eat the fried spider. I'm gonna peel the flesh off your bones like you're a piece of fried chicken. Mm-mm, good. Sweet Magnolia. <laughs> With some sweet tea. <laughs> I say, ma- Mammy, bring me some lemonade. That I can do my killing while I'm refreshed by a cool glass of lemonade. I dare say I'm parched. I am. I hate doing my killing while I'm parched. The summer heat has gotten to me and my arms.
0: One of them's got the vapors. (laughs) No, Doc, that just means you got a coolant leak. I say coolant.
1: I love some coolant. (laughs) Sigh. All right. Moving on. Rena emails us. Now, those of you who've been listening to the show for the past few weeks know the ongoing saga of our listener, Cody, who uh, broke his back. Ooh. Yeah, well, fractured.
0: E- even still breaking your back, even spraying it, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah,
1: upon slipping... It's kind upon- of important. Well, upon slipping upon some ice, he uh, caused his back some damage. And, uh, Rena emailed in and, and told us she, she requested a shout out to him. Cody then emailed in because I, and I was like, oh, we got a little love connection brewing here, or some such. Oh, and so I just put it out there. And then last episode, uh, Cody actually used, um, used the episode to, uh, to ask Rena out. On a date. Did you
0: played George Michaels. Do what? Did you play George Michaels?
1: No, I played. I played. Uh, I played uh, I'm not in love. <laughs> so don't forget it. But I tell you what, Shawnee, Rena has sent us an email. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know that this is the right song to use for this, though. Um, when you when you start getting into the words and everything, I don't know. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Should so, so, um,
0: so it have been The prices Right? No, 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 no. Pop, oh,
1: okay.
2: No. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
1: Let me tell you something. I didn't have any Michael Bolton queued up. So I went for the second best thing, Brian Adams, Rod Stewart and Sting to read
0: lore, the trifecta.
1: That's right. To read Rena's email. Hello, Rena. Rena says, Dear Steve, I would like to thank you for your amazing podcast last week. I have been a silent yet faithful listener to your podcast for a long time, so you'll never know just how special that moment was for me. I may or may, may <clears throat> I may or may not have sent it to dozens of my friends to make them green with envy. When I was a little girl, I always thought it was so romantic when a guy would propose to his girl on a jumbotron during a sporting event. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold
0: on. Really? That's I, like that's shiny on the spot right there. That's yeah. Say that. I, do I always it. feel uncomfortable whenever you see the marriage proposals doing that. Yeah. Because, because my first thought is, what if she says no?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I want to do a quick poll. We have a few female listeners in the live chat, and I need to do a quick poll. Uh, just a quick yes or no is proposing over the Jumbotron at a sporting event. Romantic. Yes or no. Ladies only. Uh, go as soon as you hear me say it. So we'll, we'll wait for the chat to catch up. At um, least Leah says, depends. Depends on what. That was not one of the answers. Women. Uh, the Admiral <laughs> See, says, no. Teresa says, no. We got two, no, and it depends. It's like an old people's home around here. What? <laughs> all right. Anyhow. <sighs> well, you know what, guys? Let me just say this. Rena thinks it's romantic, and that's all that matters. Because isn't romance subjective? Isn't that yep. a matter of taste? So, personal taste and personal preference. So, you know what, Rena? You're right. It's romantic. Only Cody could discover and utilize the geek version of a Jumbotron, your podcast, to ask me out. That's right. Jumbotrons are romantic. Jumbotrons are romantic.
2: Especially ones that say geek out
1: loud. That's right. It was without a doubt the sweetest, most heartfelt way that I've ever been asked out on a date before.
0: Aww! I'm, I'm getting the warm fuzzies! Are you getting misty-eye over there?
1: I am. In case you or the rest of the Goloverse were wondering, I said yes. Cody and I are going to Barristers in two weeks together. Basically the law school equivalent of prom. I'm sure that updates and pictures will follow in due time. I think we're owed updates and pictures. On a side note, I thought you'd be pleased to learn your amazing music choices during these series of podcasts had led me to purchase the Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix on vinyl. I'm ashamed to admit that I now listen to it, uh, what most society would consider an unhealthy rate. In regards to the bear story, oh, Steve, Rena killed a bear. Wait, what? Shot him in the
0: face. Wow. Yeah. See, I was waiting for you know for you to say she like ripped it apart. Mm -mm. That's even that's better. Well, hold on. Hold on. In regards to the bear
1: story, Cody loves telling that story to everyone. He says it makes me seem like an Amazon. Not that I mind being compared to Wonder Woman. I was hunting with my brother for bear during archery season at home in Minnesota. Wow. Now, wait a second. I want us to all understand archery season. In other words, bow season, as we call it in the South.
0: That's brass right there. Bow
1: and arrow, ladies and gentlemen. Not a rifle. Not a shotgun, not a pistola, not a bazooka. Bow and arrow, like, like the mighty Native Americans. My brother took a That's shot nice. and struck the bear in the back hind quarter. That's really all, ticked him off. Yeah, the butt. Uh, I must have been upwind from the bear in my tree stand because when the shot hit, the bear turned and began climbing up my tree. ho, 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 ho. Any good archer keeps a firearm on hand in case a shot is foul. And I would say that, listen, any time you get shot in the butt with an arrow, that's foul. (laughs) I call foul on that right now. So as the bear was climbing the tree towards me, I shot off a dozen rounds. One of which struck the bear's orbital socket and killed it.
0: Good Lord.
1: I tanned that bear's hide, and it currently hangs in the den of my grandfather's farm. I going to say, I'd make a jacket out of that thing and be like, hey, you want to hear the story about this jacket? Hey, look what I have draped around me. It's it's 100% bear. <laughs> Please remember, you don't have to fear me unless you're a 250-pound black bear and I have a compound bow in my hand.
0: Dude, fear her. She's on my team for the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I'm calling dibs.
1: Yep. Okay. Well, I want to be on your team.
0: <laughs> you're the entertainment.
1: That's right. That's all I can bring to the party. In retrospect... She says, "Perhaps I'm more Katniss than Diana." I'm sure Cody or I will keep in touch with updates. Perhaps, unlike Steve and Peggy, we will get that first dance. Now, that's a reference to a more famous Steve than us, Steve Rogers, yep. and of course Peggy Carter. Stay yep. geek-tastic and that's from Rena. Well, Rena and Cody, we wish you the best. Hope you have a great time at uh, the Bannisters, and uh, that's awesome, or, or or whatever else. What do you, call, the Geek Prom? The the not the Geek Prom. We should do a Geek Prom. <laughs> The law school equivalent no, prom. nothing
0: but awkwardness. Everyone, it would right. just be... It'd be like a middle be, school prom. The men, and, the men and women were on either wall. That's, that's right. It.
1: It'd be like a middle school prom. Yep, um, that's exactly... Bose has
2: been
0: in here. This, he's split this place in two. And before...
1: <laughs> before we move on, we, we had one email come in back during our Dominique Garant talk about how long is too long. And our good friend, and I use that term at this point loosely, Daniel and Indy chimes in. He says, hey, Steve, have you ever thought about doing a half-hour version of the Geek Out Loud called the Geek Out Loud Hour? Just a thought. I can't tell if he's telling me to shut up (laughs) or that I can't go just a half-hour. I don't know. it's a challenge. Challenge extended, maybe challenge accepted.
0: Well, hold on. How long did round three go?
1: Round three would last roughly 30 minutes or so.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do that. The only thing is is that once you get going on Star Wars, that's it. That's that's Steve Star Wars' corner, you know? Oh, Steve Star Wars' corner. If I get going... You need another one of those.
1: Well, here's what we need to have. We need to have you and Daniel come on the show together, and let's just do a Star Wars geek roundtable. Ooh. Because I want to get... I want to get Daniel on because he'll email in some thoughts every now and again. I'm like, I've never thought of that. And it'll lead me down some rabbit trails of my own thinking. And and Daniel acts like he's above all the geeking out
0: stuff. He's not. <laughs> he's not. See, I don't know if I could keep up and be that deep with the uh, with the wars, but hey, I'll, I'm in. Really? I'll do it. Huh. I, because you were all talking wars with me a while ago.
1: And, you're, yeah, it was, wasn't it? and you've got a screen name <laughs> with 1138 in it.
0: I don't know. Hey, I'll give it a try. Let's do it.
1: Daniel, I guess... No, wait. Daniel, that was a shot at you guys. I'm sorry, because he says the lost hours is only a half hour. Oh. You guys need to go to an hour.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, the, there, There's a reason for that. Beyond me not wanting to edit more than an hour, but that's neither here nor there. Keep okay. going with the emails. Right, well, no,
1: we're done with emails now. I was just playing okay. some was playing us out with a little bit of George Michael
2: the careless whispers Bye. are a good friend to the heart and mind ignorance kind there's no comfort in the truth
1: Pain. everybody sing it if you know it I'm never gonna dance again guilty feet have got no rhythm
0: All right. Air saxing
1: hard over here. Well, I I, I was hoping we'd get to the saxophone break again, but we did not. (laughs) It takes a while to build up. as As it was fading out, I thought I heard it. Here we go. Yeah! That's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the reason we're here tonight is because of uh, listeners and supporters like, uh, like you, Steve. And, and when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, uh, you said that you wanted to talk about this topic tonight, which is uh, the Lord of the Rings. And yes. I can think of no better way to introduce our Lord of the Rings talk than with this.
0: They're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. Did you ever see the video where Orlando Bloom sings that? No. They, they showed it to him when he was on the set of The Hobbit. And he just turns around lo- and they're filming him watching and he starts laughing and he turns around looks at the camera and he starts singing along to it. Nice. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm fully
1: aware of this, guys. <laughs>
0: yeah. Then there was the one where they showed the video of the girls. Re- there was two girls, like uh, early teens, and they watched the first trailer for The Hobbit. And they recorded it, and they're freaking out, so they played that for the uh the Hobbit cast, and they recorded that, and then they played it back to the girls, and the girls recorded them watching that, and it was just a big like inception thing going on. It was kind of funny anyways, it was like a rea- the
1: rings. it was like a reaction video of a reaction video of a reaction video that's it. I'm with you. It was an inception thing. So, Lord of the Rings. Now, I want to ask you this, uh, pop quiz, hot shot. uh um, Why Lord of the Rings?
0: You know, it's, it's, I almost want to say it's underrated by a lot of people, but it's like, unless you read it, and unless you, you know, even if you see the movies, the, the books and the movies are complete, are two different beasts in, in my mind. Okay. But it's like, until you sit down and you watch it, or I'm sorry, read it. Yeah. You know, it's and dive into it and get past the fact that it's a difficult read. There is, it is so rich. There's just so much in there. And it's just people just, oh, it's something for nerds Or it's hard <laughs> for me to read. And it's uh, no, you, you got to push past that and get into it. So, you know, I, I started, you know, my love of The Lord of the Rings came with the movies. And then I read the books and went, what the heck is this? It's nothing like the movies. But then the more I read it and I listened to some lecture series on it, it's just, it just sucked me into that world and it's like, all right, Steve, I want to talk about Lord of the Rings. So you you saw the movies before
1: you read the books. I did. That's interesting to me. Uh, you know, because they've been around so long, for one yeah. thing. And two, you know, I never really I guess well, yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever really been like got the sense that people thought, well, that's just too nerdy or or that sort of thing. I just always got the sense that they kind of had their place. And if you dug that kind of stuff, you dug it. And if you didn't, you didn't. And, and so, you know, when I sat down to read them, it's like, no one really cared what I was reading. Um, but I remember i I'd read the Hobbit, of course, as we talked about on the last episode. And when I started to read the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I was just blown away. I'm like, this is nothing like the Hobbit. Yeah, I expected lightheartedness and fun, and this is dark and
0: scary and ring wraiths. Yeah. And that's kind of the funny thing with the Lord of the Rings because when, you know, Tolkien, you know, published The Hobbit, it was a a success. The publisher came back and said, Hey, I want, you know, I want Hobbit 2, The Electric Boogaloo. That's right. And Tolkien's like, fine. And in typical Tolkien fashion, it took him years to write it. And then he walks in with his manuscript and he drops it on to, you know, in, in my mind, he just walks in and he goes, bam, and he drops it on there. And the publisher goes, what the heck is that? And the publisher's like, what, what? What is this thing? Drop it to the other
2: It's huge. That's what she said.
0: <laughs> but, you know, Tolkien, I think, you know, it's you know, he wrote those stories kind of almost like with his kids in mind. And it's as his kids went grew up, so did the stories. And he's even quoted as saying, you know, I started off with the Hobbit, but it's he feels that the story has gotten away from me. Hmm. And he he didn't try to well, that's at because least to my understanding, he didn't try to pigeonhole the story. It's no. he kind of just well, let he, it go organically.
1: I'm sorry, he wrote a whole language. Several he created languages. yeah, he created these languages, you know, he had this whole thing going and it was just like it, it was a thing where you know you couldn't pigeonhole the story because he had this whole
0: universe created mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that that's what he wanted that was exactly what he had set, you know one of the things he had set out to do because he, he had originally wanted to write a mythology for England mm. you know and that was it everyone immediately thinks of the King Arthur legends but the, you know that's French mm-hmm. but he got rid of that kind of quickly, and he started going down the path of what we, you know, what we know as Lord of the Rings, but it's, you know, he, he understood the concept of secondary creation, and that is, okay, I'm going to pluck concepts from the primary world, and I'm going to sit there, I'm going to make a story. You know, he, he was, you know, Tolkien was a medievalist, so he understood the concept of a maker. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, way back when, when you made a story, it's you have to, you're, you're creating something. It's something tangible. And if you do it right, people do not have to do what we call willful disbelief. Hmm. You know, it's, oh, this makes sense because, you know, I'm, in, I'm watching a Marvel movie or I'm watching an 18 movie. This all makes sense now. It's something to where if you're reading it, it'll pull you in and you will accept everything as natural fact. There is no willful disbelief about it. It just draws you right in. And that's something that he, he tried as hard as he could, you know, he was, you know, he was a linguist, mm-hmm. you know, languages were his thing. That's why he created the, you know, the Elvish and the dwarvish language, you know, and everything. Um, and it's, he, I think he just did a phenomenal job with it. You know, he under, like I said, he understood that I'm creating something different here and it yeah. has to draw you in.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously he did a phenomenal job. It stood the test of time. Um, you know, the, the, Everything that has come in fantasy, modern fantasy, since Lord of the Rings is, there's no getting around it. It's directly influenced by Lord of the Rings. Yes. It's like music. You know, any musician you talk to is going to say, well, their influences are like, the Beatles are going to be in there. The Stones are going to be in there. Maybe Zeppelin's going to be in there. But, you know, you're going to... Star Wars. Yeah, well, indeed. You know, Star Wars had its influences from, you know, from earlier science fiction, of course um but yeah definitely the fantasy side of things you know and and so it's 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 it set the tone because he took everything there's nothing there's not an element of fantasy that's mm-hmm. not in these novels some place or shape or form somewhere yeah you know other than maybe some like greek mythological creatures and that sort of thing but
0: and actually there is some greek you know references and there's you know there's some you know authorian um references yep. there's even uh one of the lines in in the two towers where it's um i can't remember the exact line but it's when the doorman is talking to uh you know to gandalf aragorn legolas and gimli and he's he's letting them into at Ador- into the, the golden hall mm-hmm. there's a line that he says and i can't remember it offhand but if you go back to beowulf that line is in there. Wow. And it's it kind of debated as to what is the translation of this. And Tolkien went, took that, and said, oh, it means this, and drops it in. <laughs> so, and it's funny because when he's talking to his peers, everyone is, you know, walking around with their tea in their pipes. And they're like, well, what are you working on, old boy? And, you know, they have, you know, these this is that paper what,
1: and that paper. Is that I'm what is of, that what they said? Is that how they talk?
0: In my mind, it is. writing. I mean, <laughs> <it's, it's laughs> so What I dare uh, say, what what you're working on there, JR? They blow on the pipe and it says bubbles. Um, (laughs) But, and then, you know, he releases that and everyone just went, oh.
2: You know, so it's when you, when you.
0: (laughs) Good show, old (laughs) chap. But, you know, it's when you go through and you read Lord of the Rings, not only is it an introduction to the medieval literature it's an introduction to medieval thought. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you really know your medieval literature, you will see references to it and almost like a spin on it.
1: Okay. Well, see, now you're you know? opening up new levels of understanding for me because I just look at it as that typical, like almost a literal hero's journey. Um, and, and that's kind of where I stop.
0: I'm like, well, see? they have an adventure and here we go. You know what? When I read it, I, because I've been going through and re-listening to, it. I found a just a fabulous fan-made audio dra- uh, dramatization of it, mm-hmm. and it's one guy, and he mixes everything together. He does all the voices. So in in preparing for this podcast, I went through and listened to it, mm-hmm. and it's I don't pick up on the hero's journey as hard as I do is like when I watch Star Wars. Right, right. It's I definitely pick up on the messages of the value of fellowship, mm-hmm. the hope versus despair and what you do in each case. But it's it's kind of hard for me to find that exact hero's journey because with the hero's journey, it's you go, you succeed, and come back. Mm-hmm. And at least in the case of Frodo, he fails. I mean, at the very Agreed. end, he's yeah. right at the precipice. And he goes, nope, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. He drops the mic and tries to walk away, and then Smeagol goes right. and rips his finger off. Yes, But, you know, it's... It, it it strikes me as interesting that that you're calling out the hero's journey. Huh?
1: Well, I think it's on several levels with with stuff though. See, that's the thing about this is is to me the most interesting character in the Lord of the Rings is Aragorn. Yes, because he's the one that takes that journey. Yeah, he's okay. he's the one who you know is resistant to his calling and his destiny, but he starts to head straight long into it anyway.
0: Now. Be careful, because what are, which Aragorn are you referring to? Are you referring to the movie Aragorn or to the book Aragorn? To the Aragorn? book Aragorn. The book Aragorn, he's resistant to it only to the point where he's waiting for his time. He knows that he has to take out the mantle. Right. He walks around with the broken sword Narsil. Right, but he's
1: reluctant. I guess resistant was the wrong word. He is a reluctant okay. king. You know, um... And he, because they're very, because even in the book, there's his doubts there and everything else. But it, again, like you say, he knows that it's his destiny. He knows that it's his calling, and and so what you have is is this is this guy who, when it does come time, he runs headlong into it. Mm-hmm. And, but even
0: then, he he pulls it back a little bit. I think yeah, he sure. knows when he has to do it.
1: Right. And so he, to me is because this because two these books are also about for middle earth the rise of the age of men. Yes. And so so really even though Frodo is the character that we follow and Sam is the ultimate hero in my mm-hmm. opinion. Oh, um no, there's no question. You you know what's really happening on the bigger scope is is what's going on in Aragorn's world. And so so I think that in a way it's his hero's journey but I also do think I mean you look at Sam. Sam leaves and he comes back. I think Sam succeeded at what he set out to do, and yeah. and he comes back changed. I mean, you know, when they run Sharky off and all that good stuff. Yep.
0: Um, I mean, he becomes mayor. He becomes for seven Mar- Years. That's right. You know. And I guess you could even look at it. Yeah, it's the hero's journey too of even you know, uh, Pippin and Mary. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, how much did they grow up? Yeah. Through the course of that, through the course of those books. You know, uh, it's that's that's a real fascinating thing to me. And Tolkien does a great job. The the, It's frustrating on one hand. On the other hand, it's just masterful. The fact Mm -hmm. that you will be following once the fellowship gets broken, you'll be following uh, for the length of an entire book, practically, Sam and Frodo. Yep. And then you'll back up to the breaking of the fellowship and you'll follow what happens with Mary and Pippin and how they get split up and you'll follow what's going on with the rest of the fellowship, you know? And, and it's just this, to me, it's this interesting thing because then what happens is all these threads that have been laid out get tied right back together at the end. Yep. And it's, and it's this, it's frustrating and masterful all at the same
0: time. he, He did a fantastic job. And, I mean, he he tortured himself with this book. I mean, right down to what words to use and how to use them. And he even went back through the various editions. And, I, and it's in the uh, introduction to at least, uh, I think I have the 50th anniversary edition on my Kindle. But, you know, he goes through and it's the editor when, oh, you don't, this isn't a proper noun. You need to get rid of that. And the Tolkien, it was. Right, right. I mean, right down to how, you know, is this word a proper noun? Yes or no? And... When you go into that much depth, I mean, there's no way that it can't be amazing. Yes, but it's I, It was mentioned last week on the um, on the roundtable about The Hobbit about retconning. I mean, you want to talk about masterwork? <laughs> the way he on <laughs> the way he retcon the Hobbit.
1: Yes. Yeah. It is just amazing. And I had because... and I had forgotten all about that because I listened to the audiobook to get ready. And it'd been so long since I picked up the actual physical book, The Hobbit, that has like two or three forewords to it mm-hmm. that explain all those retcons that are done. And I'm like, and the first time around, I'm like, what's he talking about? Yeah. And then you get into it, it's like, oh, okay. And then it it's not
0: until way later you realize, oh Yeah, I it's, you know, when he wrote The Hobbit, he he had some idea of, you know, stuff for, like, the Silmarillion and all that and how sure. this world was coming together. I mean, he was coming up with this stuff, I think, when he was in the trenches during World War I. Mm-hmm. He was slowly developing this. And then when he said, okay, my connection to the Hobbit's going to be this ring, I need to figure out how I'm going to do it. Well, why don't we just turn around and say this entire book that you're holding is Bilbo and Frodo's memoirs. Yes. And yeah. that there's different versions because Bilbo was under the influence of the ring. And it's... I. it it says something about Tolkien that he doesn't shy away from doing something like that. And like, he doesn't try to, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. He wasn't, he doesn't try to like mind wipe the audience and say, no, nope, you don't know this. It's he incorporated it into the grand scheme of his story.
1: Yeah. But also he wasn't so precious, no pun intended about what had been written and what had come before that he wasn't able to go ahead and expand upon what mm-hmm. if this if this were a book if the Hobbit were written and published in two thousand and fifteen, or let's say the Hobbit was written and published in two thousand five, and then in two thousand twelve, uh, the Fellowship of the Rings is released, and people start reading it, and they're like, "Wait a minute, hold on!" You would have message boards going there. Nuts. You would have people going crazy telling Tolkien what he can yep. and can't do with his stories. Yep, and but he and and now we just accept
0: it. Now we're like, okay. Yes sir, Mr. Tolkien.
1: Of course, JR. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think it you know it's it's two different time periods too. Sure, of course. Everyone nowadays course. is the smartest person in the room because of the internet. That's right. That's right. But I I think too if you know you we if we're looking back on it with the benefit of time, but if you look at that time span between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, you know, I think that probably helped them because the readers probably only halfway remember The Hobbit because they read it as children. Sure. So maybe, you know, oh, hey, I got this book and, you know, or I had this book when I was a kid and I want to read it to my kids and they lost I lost my copy of it. So here's a new one. So they start reading it. You know, it probably didn't ring any bells as they're read, you know, as they're going through it a second time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just the fact that he went, oh, crap, I got to fix this.
1: <laughs> and and I'm sure and I believe that's a quote. <laughs> I believe that is exactly the, the what he said. The loud
0: mics were there.
1: Yeah, the, they were there, and, and this is what we heard from J.R. Tolkien.
0: Ah, oh, crap. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but he's English, so it sounds so much better. Oh, crap, I've got to fix this. What, what, what? <laughs> I, the ring is going to
2: connect the two. I've got to fix this.
1: Do we have any audio of J.R. Tolkien talking? I bet it's one of those
0: nasally English accents. Actually, there is... Um... There's a clip on YouTube of him reading the Riddles in the Dark chapter, and it's he does the voice of Gollum, and it's, gee, I wonder where Andy Circus got his idea from. Okay,
1: well, hold on now. oh you've, you've brought it up, so here we go. Edit. Deep
2: down here with the dark water lived old Gollum. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness two big, round, pale eyes.
1: He sounds exactly like I thought he'd sound. <laughs> this is him reading the one I ring poem. I can't
2: read the fiery letters said Frodo in a quavering voice. No, said Gandalf, but I can. The letters are elvish an ancient mode, the language that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. This in the common tongue is what he said, close enough. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them, one ring to bring them all in the darkness, bind them. There's only two lines of a verse long known in elven lore. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone, nine for mortal men doomed to die, one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. One ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor, where the shadows lie.
0: He just kind of blew through that, didn't he? Can we just bring him back and (laughs) have him get into the studio? One ring to
2: rule them all, one ring
1: to find them. It's like, okay, just calm down. Don't put a little bit more drama to it, Jr. It doesn't matter. It's drama. They're in a hurry. A, I wrote the book. You know how many pages are? We got to bust this through. Let's go. A,
2: this is huge. This is a tome.
0: <laughs> Killed three you trees. Up. You
1: have to blow the dust off. Killed, Killed three, three trees th- for one printing.
0: Know <laughs> how Malhar trees it took to make this thing? It's amazing. <laughs> Why do you think there's a gold tinge on the edge of these mm. pages? <laughs>
1: it is it, sci-fi now in the chat says it's chilling to hear him read it. And in a way it mm-hmm. is, it's very interesting because there is an interpretation to, to how he's reading it, to his inflection and his voice yeah. and everything, you know, he's not really putting a lot of weight on some of the things that we would put weight on, uh, you know, cause nowadays when people read, especially that, you know, the first opening line of that one ring to rule them all, one ring to bind them, one ring to find them all. And in the darkness, uh, that, never mind. One, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, you know, he just kind of blows through it, you know, without that one ring to rule
0: them yeah, all. Yeah, you know. that sinister, Yeah, you know, foreboding sound. No, the, not only that, though, but there, there's a beat in a lot of his stuff. Like, I, you guys mentioned that you skipped over the music, you know, or the songs and everything. But if you go through and, and listen, or listen, but read it out loud, there's, mm-hmm. there's a definitive beat to everything. And right down to when, you know, you get to uh, the battle, the Battle of Pelnor Fields, and the Ride of the Rohirrim, especially in the Ride of the Rohirrim, you can tell very quickly. And but it's very smooth how he changes his writing style, and it goes from something that's very, oh, I'm talking about this, and you know, you know, Theoden yelled in a loud voice, more louder than any man has ever heard before. And then he just goes headlong into Théoden is now charging. And it, it's almost like he writes like a little kid talking. There's a lot of, and then this, and then this, and then this. And then one of my favorite lines that come through and the hooves of wrath rolled over them, you know, and just, oh, it's just amazing. The hooves but it's, of if you wrath. go through, like, am I, am I going to have to read this out loud now? <laughs> but it's, you know, he, he, did, he did his work masterfully. Yeah. And it's he knew what that beat was, and that's why I think that's probably why he read it so fast. It isn't like oh I've, I have to read this in front of the mic. here.
2: I'm uh, I'm, no, not, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to read this the, yeah, slowly. I'm I'm, 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 I'm rah, 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 rah.
0: I have to get to the pub. <laughs> you know he knows the beat. <laughs> I'm going to the pub. <laughs> CS is waiting for me. I have to get over that. Mm, so CS,
2: so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Darcy, Roll the Dodgy Joker, he's an allegory. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of <laughs> allegory. What's the, the
0: British Harrison
2: Ford all of a sudden. The, yes, a uh, he's, I a he's, a, he's a good man. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good man. He's a good man. I don't need to sit wondering about them all. Rubble, rubble, rubble. That's Elvis for Give Me a Hamburger. <laughs>
0: But no, it's, I, I would love to hear an audiobook read by him Yes, of the Lord of the Rings, just because he's the guy that has it in his head. Sure, yeah. You know, what it's supposed to sound like. And it's to hear exactly something coming from him, you know, that he wrote coming from his head out of his lips, that would have been fantastic. Well, just the way he pronounces Mordor. Well, yeah.
1: You know, I say it, there, listen, there are words that a Southerner should not say. Derek and I established a long time ago TARDIS. Yep. one of those Mordor listen to me Mordor I remember back in high school I was trying to impress a girl who was also into uh the lotter the lord of the rings mm. and um and I said Mordor and she's like Mordor <laughs> I'm like yeah you know where are they go and she's like Mordor I'm like okay I, I cuz I felt stupid saying Mordor Mordor hey we're going to yeah. Mordor uh but he he rolls those r's
0: you know he's like Mordor. And I think he actually rolls the D's a little bit. However, that works. Yeah. Steve, but it's, you know, it's how does one roll a D? I don't, oh God, don't do that to me. <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, what he, if you try trying to say it, I'm going to bust out my best Southerner. But mm. even, if, you know, you, you bust out the, the Michigan accent, it's, you know, mortar. <laughs> you know, like you said, it,
1: it's like, it's, it's a freaking mortar. It's the old Rancor, Rancor.
0: Yeah. Debate. But I, I think if you say it the way he wants it, it comes out more like mortar door right and it's it's a lot more rich <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah a lot uh, better than TARDIS
1: TARDIS hey y'all jump in the TARDIS we're gonna have us a good time
0: yeah but it's hold on I think I found the the passage here but yeah you know it's you know literally uh he seemed for the battle his fathers ran through him like new fire in his veins um, and he just goes through, and it's, you know, his golden shield was uncovered, and lo, it shone like an image of the sun, and the grass flamed at the green about the white feet of his steed, for morning came, morning and a wind from the sea, and the darkness was removed, and the hosts of Morador I stressed it there for you, <laughs> Thank you, wailed, and Terra took them, and they fled, and died, and the hooves of wrath rolled over them. Mm. It's nothing but just, bam, 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 he hits you exactly what's going on, because it's Oh, holy hell's ripping loose.
1: Yeah. But I've, you know, I've also always been, I've had a love hate relationship uh, in reading these books, you know, the couple of times. I, and I've only, I mean, look, full disclosure, I'm not one of these people that read Lord of the Rings every year. It takes me forever to read. Yeah. But I, because I have a love hate relationship with, with the descriptiveness of just him describing the terrace in front of, you know, Elrond's home. Uh, not that I'm of course that doesn't happen but I'm just saying like he's so descriptive of everything in a scene or in, uh, in a setting and it's just like
0: leave some of the imagination J.R.R. and no I think what it is, is is that he he's trying to get the imagination working mm-hmm. he's trying to get something to where you can't see it right and he's also trying to you know you know, and that's kind of the difference between imagination and fantasy. You know, imagination is I, I've never been to Chicago, but I am seeing Chicago based on pictures and what people describe to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able to to imagine Chicago. Fantasy is, you know, somewhere you know Middle Earth or something like that. And it's I need that artist to paint me this picture, and and that's what he's doing. You know, does he go maybe a little bit overboard? Yeah, probably. That's what that's what the thing. thing is. Is that it's again. It's that maker trying to draw you in. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, it's creating it, that secondary world.
1: Right. And that's why I say I have um, a love-hate relationship with it. Because I do, on one hand, love it. And, and Wendy Cooper in the chat mm-hmm. says this. When I saw Rivendell on the big screen, I said, of course, that's it, exactly. And it's because of his description. Yep. Um, you know, y- they had two artists who were very famous for their renderings of Tolkien's work, you know, in in... In picture form, who yep. helped do a lot of the set designs and stuff for the movie. And they both had very similar takes. And it comes down to because this is how it was described so completely mm-hmm. in his works, you know. And, and a lot of people chalk it up to, well, that's world building, that's universe. And it is, I know. But man, you make a great point. It's to help kickstart and to fire our imagination. I do feel like and I know this you know we're talking about a sacred work here I do feel like you went a bit far here and there sometimes yeah uh, with it you know and, and, I mean it took it you know, a little if you're looking too for long. a quick read Lord of the Rings no not, not at all not at <laughs> all um, let's you know let's talk just you know simple stuff you know for for my sake um, <laughs> favorite characters uh,
0: Samwise definitely at the top of the list hmm um, a close second is Theoden. Really, yeah. Be- just because the, you know, the journey that he goes through. I mean, it's it's much more stylized in the in the films, but I mean, literally in in the text, he, he's he's depressed. Mm-hmm. He's in despair, and he's sitting there in his throne. He's got worm tongue feed him this line of bull, you know, that's two miles deep, and Gandalf. Says, come here, and he takes him outside. and He goes, see, it's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're right, it's not. And you know, the the Theoden in in the movies, he it's a good character, mm-hmm. he really is. Yeah. But they do to him like they do to Aragorn, and that's they kind of neuter him a little bit.
1: You see, know, you're the second person to say this. Carissa said way back when we were talking Dune of all things. We got into Lord of the Rings a little bit, and she said that she thought that they did Aragorn a disservice in the film. They did. And, and I just don't get that. I don't see, I don't, I don't see that on screen. I I feel like that, that, that they did a great job because there was so much that he did early on to, you know, to kind of stay low key, you know, just Mm -hmm. from being a part of the Rangers and everything. Um, and, and, like she almost had him pegged as almost a superhero type figure, whereas to me, even when I read back in the day, you know, I never saw him as this almost a Herculean type, you know, almost a demigod. um you know i I saw him as a regular dude who, when he finally you know made his move, you know he he was prepared and 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 you know took over as it, as it were
0: um i think what the films did is that they they did neuter him they, they did bring them they did took him down a little bit the problem with with the films is that you know the the original stories they're told from like the height of like two and a half feet mm-hmm. you know we are the hobbits and then right. they went and said no we got to adjust the tripod and they brought it up a couple of feet we so now everyone is on the same playing field sure but you know you're not supposed to be able to relate to aragorn he is you know i don't know about you but i don't come from a line of kings as right. awesome as that would be and it's in, in the movie he is painfully reluctant he mm-hmm. doesn't want it he's scared to death about even looking at the ring because he's afraid of what isil you know what isildor did right um in the in the books it's all right i'm waiting but I'm ready to go, and and you go through and you see these little snippets of him being the king. Mm-hmm. One of them is is um you know when they're going through the river in fellowship, and he he looks at the Argonaut, and it's you know all the you know Frodo turns around and he does he no longer sees the ranger, he sees you know a king standing there. Right. You know Aragorn reveals himself, he uncloaks a little bit, and then he kind of does the ranger thing again. But, you know, a great example is, uh, is at Helm's Deep. You know, in the movie, he's running around, help, you know, helping kick butt, take names, that's cool. And he kind of gives Thayde in the push. But in, uh, in the book, he's literally standing on ruins. And he's telling these guys to go back to the north. Otherwise, you're going to get your butts kicked. I mean, mm. he's losing the battle. And he's up there with such authority. That he is the king, or he is a king. He's something from the lines of ancient past. Right. Right. And then when, you know, and he kind of hides it again. You know, and then like when you see him in, you know, in the movies, he's looking in the Palantir. He's showing Sauron, you know, hey, it's me. I'm here. I got the sword. I'm ready to go. And then what does Sauron do? Oh, look, your girlfriend's going to die.
1: <laughs> you know, that that's
0: it's exactly what he does. But right. in the books, it's he goes in and he wrestles the will. You know, his will is able to match and beat Sauron's mm-hmm. and he's able to look around with the Palantir and see what's going on. And then he shows him the sword and he says, you know, D- did I have the birthright? Yes. But did I have the will? Just enough. Mm-hmm. And he uncloaks himself fully, and from the point of the Battle of Pelennor, he's uncloaked, and he is—he's not so much a demigod, but he is that—that that link to the past, because you—you got to remember that Tolkien told *The Lord of the Rings* and that it is a world of constant decline. Mm-hmm. And Aragorn is this link to the past. He is, you know, pure blood, or you know, as close to pure blood Numenorean as you can find, and he is your link to the Kings of Great. Mm. And it's, I, I think in, in the movies, they made him, you know, I, it, uh, like I said, they, they toned him way down. You know, look at the, uh, the path of the dead. You know, he, you know, in the movie, he goes in there and he's like, oh, dead people, uh, fight for me. Oh, oath to be fulfilled. It's cool. Thumbs up. Yeah. And in the book, Mm -hmm. he goes in there. Everyone else is, you know, wetting themselves, even Gimli, you know, and Legolas isn't feeling too hot about this. And he strolls up and everyone because he walks up to a town Mm -hmm. down the path and everyone's screaming. It's the king of the dead. The king of the dead is here and it's Aragorn's the king of the dead. Yeah. And he strolls up to a stone and he's like, guys, why are you coming to talk to me? Dude, you're the one that walked up and talked to us. I don't care. What What do you want? (laughs) You see, want to be free, and he walks in, and he owns the place.
1: But see, I felt like he owned the place when. Okay, I guess you got to go. Uh, maybe it's just in the extended edition where he walks in there, and and yeah, they're not doing, they're not shouting the King of the Dead stuff and everything. But he walks in there, and and he really is the one with no fear. You yeah, know, he is leading the charge, and you know the whole "What say you?" kind of thing. I'm like, tell him, Airborne.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, is that you know they are not you know they're mocking him. They still don't believe him. It's in the books. It's he walks in and they immediately know who he is. He is of the line of Isildur, and it's all right. It's go time. Hmm. And it's 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 just to me in the book in the movie they toned him back a little bit. And you know when when the king did return in the movies, it wasn't until the coronation ceremony.
1: You You think. Yep. See, I don't. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I think, I think the idea of the the king returning was there at the Black Gate in the movie. Yeah, I, I think I that's where that. I think that's the idea of him returning. I mean, because he was wearing the the whole, you know, the whole white tree on his armor. Yeah. He was, you know, he was he was armored up king style then.
0: He was, but I I think, you know you know, if, if we look at the, you know, again, I'm, I'm referring to it as a holy text, but mm-hmm. if we look back, it is, he comes in with the banner of the king. He has, you know, the trappings of the king beyond just a, you know, the, the armor right. and the, uh, and the white tree on, on sure. his, uh, I don't know, the, the, the tunic. He's got Narsil, right? you know, on, you know, uh, Andriel and it's flaming in the sun. He's got you know, the jewel on his forehead that, you know, the first king of Gondor had. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it, it is an image of the king returning. And it's at that point that that's the return of the king in the story. And what's great about it is that you go into the chapter, of the houses of healing, it's he, he knows he can walk right in and be like, I'm king, bam, give me the key. But he doesn't do that. And he, they lower the, you know, the banner gets lowered and there's another, you know, another king takes over, you know, from another kingdom, but it's he allows the I'm a healer too. And it's that's the return of the king. Mm-hmm. Is that it's the battle of Pelennor and then he comes in and he starts healing people. Yeah. And they, for God's sake they bash you over the head with the hands of the king or the hands of a healer. Mhm. So, no, I I agree,
2: but he, I, don't like being... <laughs> I don't like allegory. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like allegory. But but the hands of the king are the hands of the healer.
0: I'll say it 18 times. I don't
2: no like I do not know that. No allegory.
0: Yeah. No. But um, I'll agree. At the bear in mind, I say a lot of stuff, you know, I, like I'm poking fun at the films like I hate them. I love that scene at the back. <laughs> at the Black <laughs> Gates yeah, where he's giving that speech. Sure. It's he gives it. I want to stand up and applaud. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I'm hold on, let me get my swords right here. Let's go. Bib up. But uh, no, actually the one speech that I love is is that uh with the Rohirrim, and what Theoden gives.
1: Now, are you talking about in the movies? <laughs> I, I feel like you're Both. bringing this up on purpose. <laughs> I say that one more time. I said I feel like you're bringing this up on purpose.
0: No, no, the Theoden speech.
1: Right, I feel That'd like you're. The speech. Bro. Right, I feel like you're bringing this up on purpose because I. Th- Why not you? Because I made a
0: joke one time in passing. Oh no 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 no. No this this one takes after the your joke. Okay, I'm talking about the one when you know everyone is armored up. They come riding up to oh, Eleanor. Okay, and he goes and he goes running up and down the lines. and He's clinking the spears oh, and all that. the red and, you know, day riding out a red day. Air the sun rises.
1: Day. Yeah, air the oh, sun so rises. Good. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, and I, I think that you know, just back to Theoden real quick. I agree with you. I think that they over. Did worm tongue's effect on him in the movie? I never in in reading the worm tongue thing. I never felt like I feel like this is a guy who would let himself go yeah. in depression, you know, because of what? But it never to the point that like, you know, his eyes were cataracts and um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, there it, it wasn't this magical kind of moment. It was more. I mean, there, I'm sure there, I'm, yeah, there was magic behind what Wormtongue tongue was doing, but it wasn't to the point of changing this man's appearance. Beyond the fact that he just sat there and let himself go,
0: yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is it's it's the difference in media, you know, difference in medium. Sure, you know, literally, it's man, I'm having a bad day, and Gandalf comes in, it's like, hey, come here, you know, let's go, let's go for a stroll. Yeah, but it and was more you can't portray that on, on right,
1: the but but there, but at the same time, Worm Tongue's effect on Theoden was a lot more than just a bad day.
0: This is true. This is true. I I am toning it way back.
1: Yeah, I mean it was Worm Tongue had been in his ear for a while. Obviously, uh, you know, an agent of Sarmon. Yeah. Um, Cause doesn't he leave? Yeah, he does leave and go to Sarmon in the book, doesn't he? Oh yeah. When he's run out and oh yeah, he's he's the puppy that gets kicked around. And isn't he there with Sharky at the end? Yep.
0: Yeah. He's the one that does him in.
1: Yes. So, and that's and that's one thing. And again, you know, when you start talking about the transference of mediums, there's a lot that for as long and as and as packed as those movies are, there's a lot that gets left out. Oh you know, when when you watch the extended editions of these movies and you do see the fall of Saruman and you see how he dies, nothing compared. (laughs) You know, the the, The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy actually has a few chapters dedicated to the hobbits getting back now make sure i'm getting this right they get back to the shire mm-hmm. and the shire has basically been overrun by this guy calling himself sharky yep who's who's put, who's basically enslaved the
0: hobbits he's basically done that but what he's done is that he's industrialized the shire that's right and that you know that goes back to tolkien's you know reluctance i want i'm going to say to um to industrialization, because, you know, if you were to talk to him, he would say, oh, progress, progress as you call it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't like the idea of industrialization. It took, he, he was about nature, you know, and, and it wasn't the fact that he was, you know, you know like a tree hugger or anything, but right. it's just, you know, to him, it's, wow, isn't it great how these factories can all of a sudden be transformed to make bombs? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> right. And he went... <clears throat> And to him, you know, that industrialization is a perversion of nature. And it's here, Salomon comes in, and when you have, you know, literally where the hobbits were, they weren't that. It was, everything was done by hand, and, you know, the best thing on the planet was good pipe weed, and good, you know, fertile earth, and hey, we got a good ale here. To now, all of a sudden, you're introducing the, the idea of, I want more land, I want you know, money, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know he perverted it and that's that's exactly what he did.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, and who so worm tongue kills him. I'm I'm sorry. You've got to refresh my memory and everything because this thing goes on. They, oh, yeah. it's they, a whole chapter. they get back, the hobbits get back, and and it's worm tongue that ends up killing Sharky. I thought they like ran him out of town. They
0: did run him out of town and they um, they, he, he kept saying to, to Grima, come on, worm. And Grima right. is, you know, he's kind of on, on his knees, kind of almost whimpering sort of thing. And it's Frodo that says, Hey, you don't have to follow him. Come back here. Heal up. You're, you're a man of Rohan. You know, you can recover from this. You don't have to go with him. And then Sauron goes, and I can't remember what he says. But it gets him so angry that he runs and he stabs him in the back, and then the hobbits kill Grima. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's, I, an awesome death scene, you know, of a bad guy. You know, literally, you know, he, the body drops, this smoke comes up, and he looks to the west, you know, almost looking I don't know if you want to say he's looking for forgiveness or something. And then... there's this cold wind comes out of the West and it's like a, nope. Blows him back to the East. Yep. And he's like, all right. And he goes away to wherever the heck he goes. And then the body just withers.
1: Why do you think, uh, why do you think Tolkien went with the West? Here's a weird question for you. Why do you think he went with the West? Because when you start talking about, when you get into a lot of religion, you know, especially Judeo-Christianity, there's a lot of talk of the east mm-hmm. and you know and 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 the return of christ from the east and all this stuff why do you think uh do you think tolkien just went with the west because the sun sets in the west
0: i don't know cuz you know that's that's an interesting point you know i mean you know tolkien he was catholic you know he was he was very steeped into you know literature you know you know medieval mm-hmm. but um you know there's even talk to where the west was you know re- reference to america mm. you know so it's you know i i think <laughs> oh
2: we're gonna send them all to the, to the states i say mm-hmm. send them
0: to america you know but it could very well be that it was just you know a can it, it was a convenience <clears throat> of hey we go to the west over the ocean And there's this land here that, Mm. you know, is undying. And if you're in England, you know, or you're, you know, you're in the British Isles, you could look to the West and it's nothing but water. So maybe it isn't so much a, you know, hey, I'm going to say the West because everyone else says East and I'm going to be different. It's just something to where maybe in his mind, West is over the ocean and it's into that unknown. And it's if you go to a certain path, hey, you'll find Valinor or whatever. Mm. You know, I, 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 to me, I think that's more what the case is. Yeah. You know, you look to the east and it's, you, know, you got Finland, fin- Scotland, or whatever <laughs> the heck you got.
1: But you to know. the west, to the west, there's an ocean, an endless ocean of possibility. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Makes a lot of sense to me. It's just a point I was making as you were talking. I'm like, why did they go to the
0: west? Um, <laughs> Was a fan of John Wayne.
1: Yeah. I tell you what we need to do, Shawnee. We need to make this commitment. We need to just pick these things apart book by book at some point, do an episode on fellowship, do an episode oh, on the two dying. towers, do an episode on turn the king. I'm sure Carissa would want to get in on this thing with us yep. and, and really just break these things down. Uh Kind of wrapping up really quickly. You know, you, you've mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned you love the movies. I said at one point, and this would have been back around 2003 or so, I said at one point in my life that the Lord of the Rings trilogy was one of the most perfect sets of movies ever made. Um, Agreed. I, I fell in love with those movies when they came out. It reignited my passion for the, the books. And, you know, they, at that point it'd been five or six years since I'd read those books and, and it just caused me to jump right back into them. And I just, man, I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. No,
0: it's you can tell that they were. It it was done a lot by the fans, you know, by people that loved it. Um, At least the writers. I know a lot, not a lot of, um, you know, of of the actors had ever read the books. Mm -hmm. I think the only ones that that had actually read them was uh, Christopher Lee, who reads them every year. Yeah, Christopher Lee said he reads them every year. He actually met the man himself. Oh, really? Really? he's the only person that had anything to do with the movies that has actually met Tolkien. Wow. Um, and, and I know that there's a lot back and forth. I think, uh, that, that the, uh, what's the kid's name? Christopher, uh, Christopher Tolkien, Mm -hmm. you know, did not like him. Really? And I, I, he, he, I, to my understanding, he was not a fan of them. Hmm. Um, You know, but again, it's the, I think it's that transfer of medium and just to just how, you know, we as a society will look at this story. I, there's no doubt in my mind that if Lord of the Rings, the the storyline was released now, there's no way it would catch on. Right. There's no way. And that's just the culture that we live in. But no, I agree that as, as films, absolutely fantastic. I mean... There's, they're beautiful to look at. The acting in there is just superb in a lot of places. You know, but just as movies, amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, and it's anytime that I need a good pick me up or I just want to zone out or a little bit, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I throw in Fellowship or I throw in Two Towers. I love Two Towers.
1: I, I love Return of the King.
0: I yeah, just, it's good too. They're all good.
1: They are. They are. All oh of them are good. Um, I just, I you know, when when I watch, just to me, I only have the extended editions.
0: Yep, me and too. So
1: so to watch them is a commitment, and I think <laughs> that's why I haven't sat and watched them in a while, is because I know the commitment in imper- you know, imperative imperative upon me to sit down and watch these things. Um, but I do feel like that. I feel like as far as an adaptation of a work goes that they did better yeah. to that point than any other adaptation of a novel or, or a book or a book series has done, yep. you know, and what we've found in recent years is that if you're going to do one properly or well, apparently you've got to have a two parter per book or for, at least for the last book in a series. Yeah. Um, you Know, even like, like, even the Harry Potter stuff, I remember uh seeing Goblet of Fire for the first time and just being really disappointed. And, and it, you know, and I'd never been one of these guys like, oh, it's nothing like the book, but I was disappointed because <laughs> the, that book to me was so good and so exciting and 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 so much should have been so much more fun on the screen than it was, yeah. And um. You know, and I'm just, and I understood why it couldn't be, but there were some decisions they made that I'm like, I don't get these decisions. But with Lord of the Rings, it's like I understand every decision made. Yep. To have to cut something out or to move something in a certain way, or to, or you know, to do. You you even talked about Aragorn, you know, and how they they really kind of made him more relatable for for the audience. Whereas to me, he comes out looking the best of just about anybody, except
0: maybe Gandalf. Um, Oh, Gandalf is. The Ian McKellen he did an amazing job. Even, even every time I see X Men, I see Magneto. I'm like, no, that's, he's not a bad guy. It's Gandalf. <laughs> I mean, what the heck is that helmet? Give him a staff. Come I, on.
1: I, I, you know what? I
0: bought the man as Gandalf a lot more than I bought him as Magneto. Um, see, I instantly bought him as Gandalf. I, I'm not too steeped in X Men.
1: This is what I'm saying. I'm saying I. But even still. Yeah.
0: It's no he's Gandalf,
1: yeah, I'm saying i I you know from from the moment where you know he just hit he drops the line, a wizard is never late, nor is he early, yeah he arrives right you know, and I'm just like, and then he kind of chuckles, and I'm like, that's Gandalf, you know, yep, I just i I love the fact he um he was very much uh you know he had that twinkle in his eye when he needed to. Yep. And and those moments, you know, they, they really nail him with the moments of where he has to stand up and, and really kind of show off his power. And I don't mean just there in the hobbit hole. I mean, just the authority with which he carries himself, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then and then those quiet moments where he's just sitting there talking to Frodo. And, you know, and Frodo says, I wish the ring would have never come to me. And well, so do all yeah. who live to see such times. But that's not for us to decide.
0: They they did a good job of portraying him as exactly what he is, and he's the counselor. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the steward. He's there to look over Middle Earth. Um, I think that too. You know, they, they pulled him back a little bit. They made him weaker. You know, I mean the the Witch King of Agmar isn't supposed to break his staff, and, right? You know, right? Yeah, it's you know I think you know even his staff in uh, his first staff I think broke on the bridge of Khazad Dûm. But then after that it's you know, he's Gandalf no. 2.0. No, he's there his, to kick butt.
1: His staff broke the bridge at Kazakh <laughs> He lost no, his staff I, when he was falling, didn't he?
0: I almost I'm trying to think what the actual verbiage is, but I think it's he broke the staff asunder. I think it's the actual verbiage. Oh, I actually the think he yeah. breaks the, the staff on the bridge and you mm-hmm. know, and then the Balrog walks in the bridge and, right. and you know crumbles. falls over. Yeah. Um how great is that scene, by the way. Oh for only two blows being exchanged. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. And I used to like watch the movie, like sucks. There's only two, two swings and that's it. And then I read the book and I'm like, Oh, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's it. Oh, and the, and how right did they get the bell rock in the movie? Yep. You know, um, yeah, see, I don't know. Again, Gandalf's one of those. I agree with you about the whole. Yeah, you're right. The whole Witch King wasn't able to break his staff. I get. Yeah, you're right. But I don't think that. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they 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 depowered, if you will, Gandalf uh, to the extent.
0: Maybe in some respects. Maybe in some
1: respects, but not to the extent like that. You could, I can see where you got the, you know, you made your case for Aragorn. Okay, (laughs) but with Gandalf because in that movie, every time Gandalf showed up, it's almost like the tide turned. Yep. Um. You know, and it was like a sigh of relief for him to show up. Um, It was that way in the books too. Sure. Of course it was. Of course it was. Right. And that's something that was established in the Hobbit. The Gandalf's going to leave if he needs to go. He's got other things he's got to go do. Of course, in this case, it was, well, you know, he had to go
0: to the the pits of hell. Yeah,
1: he's got to go to the pits of hell and take out this demon monster.
0: But when he comes back... (laughs) When he comes back, he's going to do it upright. Which, by the way, the the scene with him in the goblin tunnel, and they're ready to kill the dwarves, and all of a sudden you just hear this... And all you see is the silhouette of of someone with a big hat, a sword, and a stick, and he just comes walking up. I love that. You're talking about in the Hobbit. In the Hobbit, yeah, yeah. I know. I know we're here to talk about Lord of the Rings, but we're going to divert here real quick (laughs) into the Hobbit. Listen, I love that.
1: There's nothing. There's no better to me, and you'll probably disagree with me, but to me, there's no better translation of, of of something from the word to the screen of his appearance at Helm's Deep. You know, because, yes. because in the book, it it's described as the sun rising, you know, and the sun is basically oh, Gandalf showing up.
0: It's 100%. Ugh. And you know, it's it's the dawn of the day, and here it comes, and, oh, look, here's Gandalf, and he's got, like, a thousand guys behind him. No, I, they did that part just brilliantly. Yeah. You know, they changed it up a bit, but, again, that's the medium, but it's, oh, I love the charges of Orhiram in that scene. And then just crap well what do we do now oh hey there, there's a white rider that's normally good right Mm-hmm. you know and then he got amir behind him and he's like oh crap the king's alone <laughs> you know you no know, gandalf says that and amir's like no he's not guys get in here yes oh. and then they oh just all, all going down that hill the cinematography in that mm-hmm. was just great and then you know the sun crests, you know, over the, the mountains, and all the Urukai are being blinded by the light, and they're like, Oh crap, and they're freaking out. Then Shadow Facts cuts through. <laughs> I them. like
1: how everyone's reaction to stuff is, Oh crap, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> from from Tolkien, riding... No, I think it's hilarious. From Tolkien riding to the Uruk, you about to be run down by Gandalf and everything, and and cutting them, <laughs> Oh crap, oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> freak man. <laughs> Well, let's let's make this commitment to ourselves, if not the audience. Let's let's plow through book slash movie. You know, and it, it's going to take me a while uh, to get back through the books, but um, uh, Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. Let's do let's do a couple episodes over the course of the next you know few months. Sure, and and, and do that if you're game for that, my friend. Wow, well,
0: I'm game to talk Lord of the Rings all day long. Well, it's I'll probably repeat myself a thousand times and say, oh, crap. I
1: love it. I love it. Yeah. Everyone's got to have a catchphrase,
0: right? (laughs) Great. My mug on a bumper sticker. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. (laughs) That's the Lost Hours
1: T-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right. Before we go, I don't know who requested this. I'm imagining in my mind that it was Matthew Marks, um, who, who is the only person in the world who digs this bit. And, you know, listen, there's so much that I do just for one person that, uh, <laughs> that this is going to be no different. So, so, Steve, stand by, if you will. Uh, I'm going to attempt to do a, a quick Bad Impressions uh, theater. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bad Impressions Theater, Bad Impersonations Theater. This is the speech given by Aragorn at Helm's Deep in the film, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, as performed by Rocky Balboa. It's going
0: to be so good.
1: <laughs> you can't do that. Sorry. <clears throat> uh,
2: sons of Gondor. Rohan My brothers Yo yo I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me I mean you know uh, you know a day may come (laughs) when the courage of men fails when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. That's how winning is done. An hour of wolves and shattered shields. When the age of men, you want know, to come crashing down. But it's not this day. This day we fight. You want to fight? I'll fight to fight. I'll fight a big fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West,
0: and scene. You left down the background Gandalf going,
2: you're a bum! Yeah. (laughs) What are we waiting for? (laughs) Yeah, take
1: this!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I can't wait to get that. I need that audio. Just <laughs> that. Isolate that. that.
1: snippet. Isolate it. As, no, as be, Doc yeah, and your Daniel, ringtone from now on. As Doc and Daniel are uh, fond of saying, isolate that. Yep.
2: <laughs> what are we waiting for? What are we waiting
1: for? Hey,
2: listen, kid, you, you got to stand up and fight this Sauron <laughs> guy. Just lay down like some kind of mongrel or something.
0: <laughs> the image in my head of that is just, oh, it's too much i mean kid kid he's nothing but an eyeball <laughs> y- you know right where to hit him it's not even you can't miss
2: yeah, back in my day if someone that was just an eyeball came up to you know we do kid we'd slug him <laughs> we'd poke him we'd poke him right in the eyeball
1: oh man steve thank you so much man for joining us and uh and being a part of this show and, and planning future episodes. No, oh, Steve, thank you.
0: This was this was a lot of fun. And you can hope, hope I didn't bore people too much. Oh my I dude. Really I, I loved
1: it. I loved that's why I <laughs> want to do more because I was so engaged in what we were talking about, what was going on. The thing about Lord of the Rings is it's so in-depth and so you know, there's so much there. There's so much to chew on. Is we could do an indefinitely long podcast, and I don't mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hours long. I mean like episodes. We yeah. could start a podcast and just go indefinitely on, on yeah. the subject matter. It's that good and in that in depth. So uh, no, I was not not. I don't think anyone was bored. In fact, uh, got a private message from Daniel Landy. He says, "I love how much Steve." in Michigan enjoys being on, he's doing good.
0: Woo. Thank we, you,
1: Anna Landy. But we all know that Superman does good, Stephen Michigan has done well. Sure, that's that's grammar. Okay, boom, grammar. <laughs> <laughs> all new, right, new
0: segment on goal,
1: Grammar Nazi. Grammar Nazi. Hey, <laughs> tell us where we can find the Lost Hours podcast.
0: Oh, we're We're here and there. You got us on on the Twitter. You know, Twitter.com forward slash Lost Hours cast. It's Lost H-R-S cast. There's Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Lost Hours podcast. We try to do the Instagram once in a while. Lost underscore hours. We haven't done that in a while, but... We also have the website losthourspodcast.com.
1: There you go, and uh, and so check Steve and Mitchell out. Mitchell Huff uh, has provided us audio in the past for. Uh, he's one of the.
0: He's, he, he's David Schwimmer.
1: He and yes, he and Daniel Indy combined their forces and gave us the Disney Vault Talk intro, and uh, we appreciate that. And uh, and Steve, thank you. I can't. I just want to say thank you a bazillion times over, man for for your uh, support you. for being on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, to everyone else, check out Lost Hours Podcast. Give them some reviews over on iTunes and let them know you heard about them here. And as far as the Golaverse goes, you can follow us at Geek Out Loud on Twitter at Golaverse at Steve Glosson. Don't forget at Lost HRS Cast uh, for the Lost Hours. Facebook.com slash Lost Hours Podcast and of course Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. Make sure you're using those Amazon links at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com to uh, do all your Amazon shopping. It throws back a little bit to the show. No extra cost you. And if you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And we appreciate everyone who supports us uh, directly. Uh, for, don't forget Disney Vault Talk, hitting spring break. Uh, And we'll be back sometime toward the end of April, maybe early May, just in time for all the good stuff like the Avengers and everything. And you know, Teresa and I will have tons to talk about when we come back with the Aristocats in a few weeks. Also, uh, if you're headed out to Star Wars Celebration in April, don't forget that Sunday morning uh, is the Celebration of Worship taking place uh, at, let me make sure I've got all my information right, uh, at the Hilton Anaheim. In the Huntington Room on the fourth floor, it starts at 8 a.m., and that'll be that Sunday morning of Star Wars celebration. The Huntington Room at Hilton Anaheim. Make sure you're there. You got some great people involved: Craig Batts, Aaron Welty, and it's going to be a great, great time. So make sure that you're out, uh, out there. And if you if you want somewhere to worship that morning, uh, head over to the Huntington Room at the Hilton Anaheim for Star Wars Celebration. That's going to wrap it up for us. And until next time, for Steve Shoney Schoenburn, one half of the Lost Hours podcast, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud.